Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. God's grace and peace be unto you today, my dear brothers and sisters. Glad you can join with me this day, a day the Lord has made. And yes, we are to rejoice and be glad in it regardless of the circumstances or situations we may face. So today I was convicted uh, to do an episode on the Holy Spirit and secret sins. And uh, we're going to utilize a a few stories um, that can uh, demonstrate how important the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is when all men um, deal with presumptuous sins or secret sins. And one of the clear indications that the Holy Spirit is moving amongst us is when men, women, and children muster the humility and the courage uh, to confess that which we are ashamed of. And so, To start off, I want to lay a foundation uh, with God's holy word, one of my favorite psalms and portion of a passage of a psalm is Psalm uh, 19. And so let's hear the word of the Lord. We're starting verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Um, And the Apostle Paul affirms that in the book of Galatians, that the law was a schoolmaster, a tutor, uh, to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than fine gold. Sweeter also honey and the honeycomb. Now here we go. Moreover, by them your servant is warned and in keeping them, there is great reward. And so now here's the profound question in verse 12. Who can understand his errors? And his prayer, cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great 
transgression. Now, obviously, there's sin, there's iniquity, there's transgression, there's abomination, there's different levels of sin and the consequences of those sin. All sin is the violation of God's holy commandment, but not all sin solicits the same response from heaven. And so here he compares the great transgression to the presumptuous sin. And he doesn't want them to have dominion over his life. And brothers and sisters, that's where we truly need the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And it concludes with uh, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What an incredible portion of scripture uh, from the book of Psalms. So brothers and sisters, as I was contemplating on this episode and seeking the Lord, there was just a couple of stories that came to mind that might be able to flesh this out a little bit, really uh, encourage, prayerfully inspire, and convict uh, where needed and necessary. So uh, I remember when I was uh, in Houston, Texas, and a long story there, but when they persecute you in one city, you flee to the next, and I wound up in Houston, Texas, that's how we got here. And uh, we were working with a bunch of churches uh, confronting Planned Parenthood and their evil, wicked ways, taking blood money uh, for the life of the innocent preborn in the womb. And, and uh, we were there uh, pretty much every day of the week, five days a week. Uh, we were at the death camp. Uh, we fed and clothed uh, the homeless there. Um, there was also a college behind the death camp, and we did a lot of our evangelistic outreach. Um, and it was so powerful that even at times we got invited uh, to preach to the classes, which was an awesome uh, opportunity. But I remember there was one specific day where my world was absolutely rocked. Because most of the time when we're preaching the gospel of the kingdom at the gates of hell, most people want to hide uh, their profession of faith. And it's very interesting whether you know this or not, specifically Planned Parenthood, and I'm sure uh, the other death camps may follow their lead, but one of the things when you're... Um, seeking them for an abortion. They want to know specifically your religious background. Are you Catholic? Are you evangelical? Um, name your priest, name your church, name your pastor. And I always found that interesting. Like why specifically would they want that religious information? And of course, I think in many ways, just knowing that uh, sanitizes uh, the evil that they are going to commit. So in other words, you know, here are professing Catholics, here are professing Christians, 
and they are paying us money to assassinate their child. And uh, one of the things that I found so difficult in ministering the gospel of the kingdom uh, to the pro-aborts and the death scorts at the death camp is they got this religious information. And so they, you know, they see the, I guess, the hypocrisy of professing Christians where they say they believe one thing, you know, preach and teach one thing, but when the crap hits the fan, yeah, we're going to give our seed to Moloch and we're going to sacrifice our children to demons. And, and that's what I came up against in Houston. And I, it may have happened before, but this was the most vivid. This was the one that really kind of shattered my heart. So there was a young black couple that came to Planned Parenthood, and I'm pleading with them. I'm preaching the gospel in front of the pro-aborts and the descorts. They are boldly professing Christ. And I'm like, do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? How can you profess faith in Jesus Christ and come to this death camp and offer your seed to Moloch and to Baal and, and shed the blood of your own son and daughter? I mean, it was like, it was just like mind boggling. And it totally blindsided me. And so I'm pleading with them. I, you know, I'm ministering God's word to them. And they're professing Christ, but they got a hard heart and a stiff neck. And so they go through with the abortion. And I got to tell you, it, it absolutely crushed me. Like, I... I I've ministered to so many people at the death camps. You know, most do not take heed. Some, thank God, did, and God saved children and rescued families, and some of them even came to faith in Christ, and we thank God uh, for that good kingdom fruit. But I got to tell you, it was different because most, you know, are pagans, you know, and Pagans, historically, you know, that's what they do. Uh, they sacrifice their children to demons. They parade their sin like Sodom. But it's a whole different ballgame when somebody professes faith in Christ. And like I said, it just rocked my world. And so it did. It, it broke my heart. And I, I, I remember walking away, like seeking solace from the Lord. You know, here I am, I'm out there in the heat of day, you know, preaching the gospel. And can you believe it, God? You know, this couple profess faith in you, and yet they're doing the dirty deed, right? And so I'm expecting a little comfort, maybe, from the Holy Spirit. And what I get is actually a rebuke, uh, which I was not expecting. But it just came to my mind that this couple is the result of American evangelical Christianity that has turned the liberty of Christ into licentiousness 
that that use the grace of God as a license to sin. And, and basically, the Lord was confronting me with the fact that this is the result of the church's teaching and preaching where we are handing out God's goodies, his love, his mercy, his grace and forgiveness to a people do, that do not understand the depth of their sin and, and their pride and their wickedness and their evil ways and their evil doings. And we're just, you know, saying, hey, you know, say this prayer and you're in and boom, we put the stamp of God's salvation upon these souls. And most of them are false converts. And this is how they could profess Christ on one hand and do the unspeakable to their own children in the face of a holy God for which they're going to stand before one day and have the eternal cringe and give an account for what they did. Now, does that mean uh, God won't forgive them? You know, if they truly repent and turn from their wicked ways? Well, you know, there is the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. You see, worldly sorrow is just concerned about the fact that we got caught. You know, worldly sorrow is just concerned, oh, there may be consequences for my sinful, evil ways. You know, that's worldly sorrow. But if there's true godly sorrow that leads to repentance, if there's brokenness, if there's contrition, then of course God will forgive us. But if you notice in the passage of scripture, you know, the psalmist was talking about these presumptuous sins, these secret sins, you know, those are the great transgressions, right? And so that was an example that like just really uh, opened my eyes to like what sort of gospel are the churches in American, uh, America preaching that would lead people who profess Christ to think that they have permission of Almighty God to commit this level of sin, literally the murder of their own child, and think they're going to be good with God. Uh, you know, that's, that is serious, presumptuous sin. You know, that is, honestly, that is a great transgression. Now, can it be forgiven? I do believe if they meet the biblical requirements, then yes, God will forgive them. But to think they're just going to skate by in life and, and just uh, think that they can get away with this evil and God's good with it? No, my friend, he is not. He is still a holy and a just God. And uh, we, we've, we've got to temper that with his love, his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness. And so anyway, I had that experience. And then there was one time where uh, Flip was in jail. He had led some college students from Liberty to storm uh, a local high school. And it made national news. About 300 college students went in that high school and i mean they just you know they just tore it up and uh 
yeah, the conversation changed from, you know, academia to the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, the national sin of abortion, its consequences, and it, it had so uh, disturbed this high school that they went after Flip and they put him in jail for a few months. And so anyway, we had uh, planned on doing a national event in Orlando. So I was pretty much tapped to go into Orlando and prepare the way. And so I went in for about a month and the Lord opened the door to a fairly large church in Bradenton, Florida. And uh, that was very rare. Um, most larger churches didn't want to touch us with a 10-foot pole. And, and as much as we want to give charismatics a bad rap, I, I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, when it came to Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, the majority of the churches that, uh, you know, invited us in, uh, covered us, sent us out in the battle, were charismatic churches. And, and by the way, th there was a time that to do that, uh, the federal government would go after you and shut you down. And so it took a lot of humility, a lot of courage uh, for these churches to host us. And um, so anyway, um, went into this fairly large church, uh, delivered a message, uh, a challenging message, prayerfully an inspiring message. Um, but anyway, there was one lady in the church where the penny dropped. I mean, she she got it. I mean, God opened her eyes, opened her heart, opened her understanding, opened his word, and she took on my schedule. So literally from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed for 30 days, she had me booked out. Like unbelievable, so many open doors uh, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, uh, to share on the vision and mission of Operation Save America and what the church must do to rise up to end this Holocaust uh, in their local area. And so, like, it was schools, it was political meetings, it was churches, uh, it was youth groups. I mean, you name it. I, I, it was like incredible media opportunities. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, there really truly was a special mantle, a special anointing that came upon me during these times. And I could remember going into schools, you know, and, you know, showing up and literally starting my message with, you know, I got 30 minutes to convince you to die for Christ. And then the scriptures just came like machine gun bullets. And the effect was profound. I mean, People were sobbing, people were shouting. Um, the entire school like stood in solidarity with the Lord. Um, there were many that came to faith in Christ, um, but there was like great conviction. And uh, the fruit that, honestly, there was more fruit, kingdom fruit that was produced in preparing the way of the Lord for the national event than actually at the national event. And, and so it, we, we just had a, a very powerful time. And, um, 
and God was clearly moving and doing some wonderful things in the heart of young people, adults, Christians, non-Christians, and it was just a powerful time. And so towards the end of that month-long prepare the way of the Lord for the national event in Orlando, um, one of the host families said, Rusty, would you be willing to meet with some of these young men that have been convicted by your coming here? And we looked at our schedule, and sure enough, we had a couple of hours and opening uh, to meet at this host family. And what blew my mind, 50 different young men from the different schools that I went to actually came to the invite. And so here we are, you know, 50 young men. Um, most of them didn't know each other. And uh, we're sitting in this room and I'm just kind of following up with them, you know, on the vision and the mission and the, the message I preached and, you know, trying to reinforce these truths uh, in their life and, you know, challenging them to rise up and, you know, take this plate, take their place in this battle and uh, serve the Lord faithfully, you know, in this generation. And so, you know, I'm sharing with them the word of God. And then something seriously profound happened, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit came into that room. And when I say it was profound, it was tangible. He was there in his power and in his presence. And before I knew it, uh, these young men, again, you know, dealing with peer pressure, dealing with, uh, you know, young men that they don't know, uh, you know, and, you know, the whole competitive thing and, you know, all the typical young men foolish things that, you know, young men endure, you know, growing up. I mean, that was all present and it was very clear it was present but somebody else was also present. The Holy Spirit, and imagine my shock and my surprise as these young men began to confess their secret faults, their presumptuous sins, their secret sins. And as they're confessing, I mean, brothers and sisters, they are sobbing, they are weeping, I mean, God is moving in their midst and they're even asking other young men, you know, would you pray for me? And, um, and they were seeking the Lord. They were praying for one another and they were asking literally for accountability. They did not want to fail the Lord anymore uh, when it came to their presumptuous sins, their, their secret sins. And, and brothers and sisters, we got to know, I mean, the Holy Spirit was sent for a lot of different reasons, you know, uh, to teach us the words of Christ, right? To bring them to our remembrance, show us things to come. You know, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You know, the Holy Spirit was sent to seal us until the day of redemption. Amen. I mean, there's so many purposes and reasons why 
the Holy Spirit was sent by Christ, you know, to not leave us in this world as, you know, orphans, but send another comforter. Uh, but one of, clearly one of the great reasons why he sent the Holy Spirit was to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And, and brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, it was so beautiful. It was so precious to see the Holy Spirit convict these young men to do things that I'm just telling you in any other setting uh, would never happen, not in a gazillion years, right? And so clearly, again, the reason why I'm sharing this is one of the ways truly that you know the Holy Spirit is moving in your midst is that he provides this incredible humility, this incredible courage to humble ourselves and become real with God and with one another. And I get it. You know, that's dangerous territory, right? Um, you know, it's very, very hard for Christians to admit when they do wrong, right? I mean, we're, we're a proud bunch, right? And uh, especially if you're in any kind of leadership in the church, my goodness, you know, you know, God's people expect almost like perfection, you know, from their leadership. Well, you know what? They're just men who put on a pair of pants the same way you do. And in fact, in some ways, they're much more target when it comes to temptation, when it comes to, you know, struggling against evil, you know, um, believe me when I tell you the enemy is there and, uh, and he, he wants to undermine, he wants to overthrow, right? So he's going to target uh, leaders because you smite the shepherd and the sheep scatter, right? And so that's clearly a situation. And so but one of the ways you'll know is like with the book of James, right? Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. And again, this is something that's pretty foreign in the modern day church. You know, obviously the Catholics take it to a place where God never intended. You know, you go into this booth in the dark and, you know, Father, I've sinned and you know, they go through the litany of how they sinned. And, of course, the Catholic Church responds, well, do a few Hey Marys and a couple of Our Fathers and you're good to go. Um, that, that is uh, a distortion um, of, you know, Christianity. Because we've got to remember, Christianity uh, is known as the Great Confession, right? It's known as the Great Confession. Well, well what is this Great Confession? Well, God, you're right, just and holy, and we're sinful. We're rebels. We're covenant breakers. Uh, from the womb, we go astray. Uh, we do what is right in our own eyes, you know. And uh, there's none that does good. No, not one. There's none righteous. You know, that's who we are, right? And so the great confession is, God, you're right. We're wrong. And I humble myself, and I... I break before you and I repent and confess my sins before you. 
and I put my faith and trust in Christ. And uh, sure enough, you know, God receives that and boom, he sends his Holy Spirit. He regenerates us. You know, we're born again from above, right? Um, God cleanses us uh, from all sin and all unrighteousness with his precious blood, fills us with his spirit, writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, and we're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything is new. A new Lord, a new way to live, right? And uh, praise be to God for that unspeakable gift uh, that is full of joy and full of unspeakable glory. Amen. So, you know, praise be to God. And I, I remember at the uh, conclusion of that meeting with those young men, there was one young man who came to me afterwards after we had broken up the meeting and there was tears just streaming down his face and he said brother rusty i've waited my whole life to hear these things to hear this kind of message from god's word and i want you to know it has radically changed my life i'll never be the same and of course you know as a preacher you know you hear that and it's like, wow, you know, the penny dropped for this young man. He got it. And, uh, and he was just set on fire and he was going to pursue the Lord and, you know, walk with him and talk with him and seek ways that he could serve love and obey him, you know, which is awesome. You know, especially uh, when it comes to young men, you know. They're still full of vim and vigor, and they want to sow their wild oats, even as Christians, right? And um, and kind of you know taste what the world has to offer and all that, and and uh, you know. But anyway, here's this young man that that wants to forego that. He doesn't want to sow any more wild oats. He doesn't want to taste what the world has to offer. He wants to give his life fully to his Lord and serve him in this great battle for the souls of men, the lives of children and the future of this nation. And the interesting thing, brothers and sisters, three weeks later, that young man passed away. But I'm gonna tell you, in God's great mercy and his goodness, he got a hold of this young man and again, I wasn't there for the three weeks he had left on this planet. Um, but I was pretty much assured by the Lord he used those three weeks to glorify Jesus Christ. So, you know, praise be to God. So anyway, brothers and sisters, um, I wanted to just take that this time and this podcast, this episode to speak about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit, especially when it comes to the presumptuous sins, the secret sins, the great transgression, right? That King David was pleading with God, don't, don't let me go there. Whatever you do, you know, don't let me go there. And of course, 
King David, you know, he, he, he had some history to look at, you know, because he saw, he saw what happened to Saul, right? He saw what happened when the spirit abandoned Saul and how mad and how crazy, you know, he became. And so, you know, when God finally busted him and convicted him for adultery and murder, um, you know, when he finally broke, it was like, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. And then he makes this amazing statement. Please do not take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of my salvation. And, and, and brothers and sisters, that's the proper response, right? Struggling with presumptuous sins, secret sins, you know, the, the besetting sins, you know, that we struggle with. And every man, woman, and child to a certain degree struggles with it, right? And so, you know, as we grow in faith and we grow in sanctification, you know, the main goal is to cut, cut down on hypocrisy, right? To live as a consistent and loyal life that is possible uh, when it comes to our faith and our walk with Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I, I pray that uh, this episode uh, was an encouragement to you. And, and by the way, pray for this, not just for yourselves. You know, pray for your churches. Pray for your, your small group gatherings that we would have that kind of heart, that kind of transparency before God and one another. And I get it. It's dangerous. You, you know, to confess your secret faults and sins, that's putting you in a very vulnerable position. And you shouldn't do that to just anyone. Uh, you need to have some trusted friends, brothers and sisters in Christ that will be there for you. You know, that they would allow you to let down your hair, to be truthful, to be honest with your struggles and cover you and help you and work through it with you. Because believe me, they got their own set of issues they're probably struggling with. Okay? We're human. You know, we're in a fallen world, a sinful place, you know, a dark place filled with sin and demons, right? It's a struggle. And, you know, part of God's salvation is sanctification, right? Where we become more like Jesus and less like us. And that is a process, brothers and sisters. And it's one we need to embrace. And we need to have faithful brothers and sisters that we can walk with, that we can talk with. Uh, I remember Brother Flip Benham uh, talking about friendship at one of our OSA events, and he said, he quoted C.S. Lewis. He said, a friend is the one who sings back the words to you when you've forgotten the song. In other words, there's a song in our hearts, 
But sometimes life just beats the snot out of us, just pummels us. You know, we're crushed at times. We're going through the dark night of the soul. And of course, God has given us this song of salvation, this song of redemption, and we're going through it. How good it is when brothers and sisters in Christ come and sing the song back to us when we've forgotten the words because life has gotten so hard. Thank God for obviously what a friend we have in Jesus. But it's also good to have friends who know Jesus, who are going to be there for us. They're going to allow for us to confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that we might be healed. Well, praise be to God. Another episode in the can. As usual, you keep pressing on, folks to their high call and prize in Jesus' name. God bless you. Till next time.